Welcome to the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast. I am your host, Ryan Hartley. This podcast is for heart-centered leaders just like you. I hope our time spent together helps you leave a heart print where those around you are left better than yesterday. These interview sessions are sponsored by our great friends at Elevate Online Marketing. On episode 170, I am joined by Dr. Jennifer Thomas. Jennifer is a clinical psychologist, consultant, TEDx speaker, and co-author of The Five Apology Languages with Dr. Gary Chapman. In The Five Apology Languages, Dr. Gary and Dr. Jennifer share their research on the importance of apologizing effectively. They explain how people speak different apology languages and explore whether it's possible to forgive without an apology. We have a great conversation about the five apology languages and how leaders can embrace their understanding of their own apology language and the apology languages of those that they lead. It's a great conversation and I hope that it inspires you to check out your own apology language, which you can do using the show notes. And if you want to catch up with episode 112 with Dr. Gary Chapman, you can also find the link in the show notes. Here we go. Episode 170 with Dr. Jennifer Thomas. Dr. Jen, welcome to the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast. How are you? I'm doing well, Ryan. Thanks for having me on. I'm looking forward to our conversation. It's so good. In doing a little bit of preparation, I thought I know exactly how I'm going to start this conversation. Do you know the top five habits of us Brits? Oh, no. Fill me in. Let me tell you. So I looked at this website and it's pretty accurate. I tell you the top five habits of British people are one to drink cups of tea. Two is to have a stiff upper lip. You know, they keep calm, carry on mentality. Number three is that we like to talk about the weather. Number four is that we like to cue. And number five is just we've got this habit of constantly apologizing. Oh, I didn't know that. We just seem to say sorry for every little inconvenience that we cause people. Even if it's just like moving out of the way, it's like, oh, sorry. (laughs) Well, it sounds nice. I haven't been to England since 2002. Um, but you know, I, I thought that people were lovely, uh, there. And I imagine across the UK that, um, you know, I think that's a good thing to be known for is being quick to apologize. Yes. But what if that means that we've lost the art of a true apology? What if it means that we've lost the art of a sincere apology? And I, and I hope that our time spent together today is going to do some, some way to correct that. Right. Okay, well, that sounds good. And we do talk about the trouble with over apologizing, which I think is mainly a problem. If you're feeling pressured to apologize when you don't feel like you did anything wrong. So we should get into that. Yeah, I'd love to. So we were very fortunate enough to have Dr. Gary join us about this time last year, we talked about all about the five love languages. And, um, and I love the fact that you you've worked together and you have worked on the five apology languages and I just love to I know that you know this this book came out in mid 2000s um what yes what's the core of uh, you know I understand that you one of your books was titled when sorry is not enough when is sorry not enough (laughs) I think sorry isn't enough in a couple of situations one if it's a really big deal or if it's been a repeated offense, then, 
we believe, Gary Chapman, I believe that at those times you're really going to want their apology to include your primary apology language. Mm. And that's our new insight is that what one person considers to be a sincere apology yeah. isn't what another person might say is sincere, that the evidence of sincerity actually differs from person to person. Mm. I love that. And uh, my wife and I, we, we took the tests and uh, on the quiz, which is on your, on your website. Um, oh, my, my apology language is expressing regret and it's really interesting because when i when i read some of the the phrases like the one that was requesting forgiveness just just didn't even register it's like no no i don't need you to it was so obvious to me and i I hadn't really explored this concept of what it means to receive a sincere apology and yet intuitively i felt from the responses that you'd pose i was like yeah, I need this. Like I need just someone to just express the regret that this has happened. I don't need you to do anything about it. Like, <laughs> and we'll move on. Talk to us about what the, the, the discovery in your work is in the five languages that you've, you've codified. Okay. Well, Ryan, I'm like you. I tend to quickly say, I'm sorry. And that's all that I usually need to hear from other people. <laughs> and it, the idea actually came to me in my own marriage. Although I, I practice as a clinical psychologist, mm. this idea didn't originally come from my work. It came from a, a situation that I had with my husband mm-hmm. one evening where I had made a mistake. And I said to JT, I'm sorry. And then I thought it was over with, but he didn't. And I could tell there was like this tension in the air. You could have cut it with a knife. And I was like, well, what, what's wrong? And so I actually asked JT what was wrong. And he said, well, I just wish you would apologize. And then, of course, I was like, well, I said I was sorry. And I got curious about what it was that he was waiting to hear. And um, it, it didn't take him long at all. He knew right away what he wanted to hear. Yeah. And I like to pause here and invite listeners to think about, well, what do you think this dude was waiting on? Because the chances are that your answer will reflect your primary apology language. Mm. And he said, I wanted you to say you were wrong. Hmm. And so to me, that was kind of a synonym. And so it wasn't a huge deal. I said, well, that's what I meant. I was wrong and I am sorry and I apologize. Mm. And then he accepted that. And I was amazed by how much better our evening went. It really turned around at that point. Mm -hmm. And so I made a note like, okay, note to self, when you apologize to JT, you need to accept some responsibility. And I thought, I wish I'd known this years ago because we'd been married about 10 years at that point. Um, but for him, there were these magic words in an apology. And when I married him, he didn't come with this instruction book, um, <laughs> but I was figuring it out as I went. And it occurred to me that there was a parallel with Gary Chapman's five love languages, where you kind of offer what comes naturally to you. But what we really should do is go around and figure out, well, what's their script and what counts for them? So I sat on the idea for a few months. Um, but Gary Chapman lives in my state in this in the U.S. And so I actually went over and met with him and said, I've got this idea to share. And um, he he jokes now that he was actually kind of relieved because I was a marriage counselor there in his town. And, and he thought it was coming to ask for marriage advice. <laughs> uh, but I told him, no, things are good. Actually, I, I have this 
idea that what one person counts as an apology is not what someone else counts as an apology. And he said, that's interesting. I've never thought of that. And so we began to uh, survey people and we asked 4,000 people what really works for you if someone wants to get out of the doghouse and their answers fell into five categories and we joke because you know he loves the number five but we actually weren't looking for five (laughs) Uh, but we found that there are these different ways of saying my bad to others Mm. Mm. what are those five so um, the first one is yours and mine that's saying i'm sorry that's also gary chapman's primary apology language Um, or no, I'm sorry. I apologize. That's actually his wife's primary thing. Um, but Gary Chapman and JT, my husband, both want to hear an acceptance of responsibility. So these are our first two expressing regret or accepting responsibility. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is that these two are both all about words. And so they're not going to work for people who say, Hey, talk is cheap. I want some more and, you know, give me some more with this apology. So our our third apology language is about making amends or making restitution for the other person. For them, they're going to believe you're sincere when you spend your time or your money making things right or making them whole again. And as I continue on with these five, you'll also hear that these are steps. You could think of them as either steps or languages and Mm -hmm. together they'll make up a complete apology. Mm. So the fourth thing that people want to hear in an apology is a new plan to uh, prevent it from happening again. We call it preventing a reoccurrence Mm. or planned change. So this is really important, especially if it's been happening over and over, because Ryan, you might feel like you'll forgive me again today, but if it happened before, and it might happen again, you, you might run out of forgiveness. I mean, I know you're a nice guy, but there's gotta be some limit where you're gonna say, Jen, you gotta get this worked out. And so this is where in my apology, I could say, you know, I realize I keep running late for our weekly meetings. And so watch me, I'm gonna put in a reminder for the meeting and not only that, but I'm gonna move it up 10 minutes earlier because I tend to try to fit in one more thing and then I end up running late but you are my priority. And then our final apology language is that request for forgiveness. And we found that only 3% of people most want you to ask for their forgiveness. But for that 3%, we found that it's pretty important and that they may have gone through life feeling like, um, you know, people give really bad apologies. Mm. But the fact is that they're just not hearing what they are waiting for or what their script from their childhood for a good apology really is. Hey, my friends, just want to take a quick moment to thank you for listening to the show so far. I hope it is serving you well. And I wanted to let you know that on the 25th of June, we will be holding a five year celebration based at the home of our podcast, Elevate Online Marketing Offices in Trowbridge. Our community turns five this summer and I really want to bring great people like you together. We have three guest speakers lined up. We will be joined by the YouTube sensations that are Evolution of Dave and Esther McCann. And we'll also be joined by our great friend and TEDx speaker, Tommy Gentleman. It's going to be a great celebration. We'll have welcome drinks provided by Elevate Online Marketing. We're going to have some great food provided by Valicious. 
and we have a band performing live for the very first time. There's a special connection with the band. All will be revealed soon. But for now, please head to the show notes, get your tickets, and I really look forward to celebrating with you on the 25th of June. Let's get back to the interview. I love that, and I, and I know I um. It's interesting, isn't it, the topic of forgiveness? And it's like, you know, I, I sit here with a heart on my logo. We're all about helping heart-centered leaders. And I had a, a, I had a wonderful lady called Deborah Rosman on. She's the CEO of the Heart, the heart Math um, Incorporation. And mm. she said this one-liner on my podcast that's just stuck with me forever. She says, there's something intuitive about the heart because we don't say I love you with all of my mind. And um, the interesting thing that you you have in your book is that you can you find it in your heart to forgive me? And I find that just a real intuitive, fascinating insight. Right. That's a really good point. And what we find is that people really want to feel loved and appreciated. That's one essential for healthy relationships. And then what we're saying in the five apology languages is that we also, we know we're going to let each other down. These offenses are going to crop up. And if we don't handle those, then we're going to have trouble keeping our love tank full. Mm. So what we believe is that the two really go hand in hand. And my passion is to help people both at work and at home to figure out how to get in there when they've made a mistake apologize without any buts Mm. and hopefully but not necessarily earn forgiveness we really believe that forgiveness is up to the other person we can't demand it we can't rush it um, but we can certainly work um, on giving better apologies and rebuilding trust yeah this this podcast is listened to by many many leaders you know and I, and I think the great sometimes the greatest form of leadership is within the home. You know, is the mm-hmm. is the role within the your own home. And you know, so often those emotional connections can mean that we just go so quicker, much quicker to our chimp response rather than like our chosen <laughs> response. And I, right. and I just find you know, I sometimes I you know. I'm a patient guy, but for some reason, like my nine year old at the moment, he just triggers me in ways that I find myself. <laughs> in the trenches with him and and it's you know having the humility to apologize in the moment are there any like kind of tips and strategies that you help leaders kind of overcome the heat of the moment you know if that apology is needed there and then are there some things that we can do just because there are are times when we're not going to want to apologize right (laughs) you're right for some people they think it's a sign of weakness Mm. Uh, but what we say is no it's the opposite think about a leader who you admire very much chances Mm. are that they can give a great apology and then um, if you think about it you don't admire them any less you actually would admire them more after you see them do that so we want for leaders at, at all levels of organizations and political structures to be ready to apologize when it's due. And I do have a couple of phrases that people can have on the tip of their tongue to help them not miss the opportunity. The first one is simply um, to say, I wanna circle back to something that I said or did. Mm. I didn't feel like I did it the way I wanted to. And Mm. this can help with the awkwardness of bringing up something from a day or a week ago. So you've got their attention and you're letting them know that you wanna make something right. And then I recommend that we teach kids and we ourselves try to lead into apologies with 
I apologize. Mm. When reflexively we say, I'm sorry, but that's just one of the apology languages. And what we're finding in our research, which is now expanded to 40,000 respondents, mm. is that they will hear, I apologize, as leading into their apology language. It's like a neutral base or platform mm. um, that lets them know, look, I'm not here to shift blame to you. I'm not gonna start down the road of apology and then say, but um, I'm here to accept responsibility and let you know that I'm gonna change things mm. and all the rest of the pieces that we talk about in apology languages. You just said a really important three-letter word which can cancel out anything that we say before it and it's the word but why is that so significant <laughs> all right yeah but actually erases what we were saying yeah. um <laughs> and so we're left with a non-apology yeah. that may feel like uh the apologizer was trying to get some credit there <laughs> but they actually don't deserve credit because they just erased it <laughs> and um, chances are that they've dumped some of the blame on us. And I think of blame as being like the children's game of hot potato, where you pass around something and nobody wants to get stuck holding the ball. Mm. Um, but what we really need are leaders who are willing to say, you know what, the buck stops with me. Yeah. And I'm not going to try to pass the blame here. Um, but I really want us to look at this and I apologize. Mm or um, what, what the problem is. And then don't just say for what happened, because that's too general. With these words, we need to be very specific. And also I would say go big. Um, you know, we can almost, it's hard to overstate how upset someone might be about what we did. So if you can say, I totally blew it. I'm really upset that I've let you down again. My heart is heavy with this you can just watch people take a deep breath um, because what, what that's doing is it's giving them some relief that you really get it. And if you get it, hopefully you won't keep doing it. Um, so I encourage people with your apologies, go big and don't add qualifiers or words like, but. Yeah. And, and I'm not one to get too political, but seeing as this is a leadership co podcast, I'll give a very, very relevant example. I don't know how much you follow British politics, but we have been severely let down here in England by the by the behaviour of our Prime Minister. And he yes. Is, yes. So he, he I, is, I say yes, because I actually have tweeted and uh, yeah. shared a post about um, his apologies. It, it, he's a, in some hot water over there. I'll need to check those out and I'll see whether they because because the one <laughs> thing I was because it, it, this has been happening in the build-up to the preparing for this interview, so I've been I've been consciously paying attention to what he says okay. and what he does, and fundamentally, what it comes down to is his behaviour and his leadership has breached our human trust, our human com, uh, contract with his government. And um, the interesting thing I find in his apologies is he's very quick to follow it up with a justification about the effective rollout of the vaccine program or mm -hmm. what his government are delivering as if to say that justifies and validates mm -hmm. his um but fundamentally he's not doing what you might suggest within all of the languages to really 
restore some trust and, and actually just acknowledge the breach of the human. So I guess maybe let's right. put let's put Boris to one side for one second. Do you think like a good public leader that needs to make an apology will account for all of those languages within their apologies? Yes, what we say is if you don't know someone's primary apology language, uh, or if you're giving an apology to a group, then you really should use all five. Mm. And um, what people tell us they like about that is it also gives them a, a reasonable stopping point. You know, some of us are over apologizers and grovelers. And this framework, our five steps, can help people know okay, I said what I need to say, and now I should stop. Uh, because number one, I don't want to grovel. And number two, I might wander into some buts or trying to explain, uh, which really can end up sounding like a but, you know, like, but there was this extenuating circumstance. Mm -hmm. And we don't want people to go explaining the extenuating circumstances. We just want them to accept responsibility. Mm -hmm. In fact, what I advise um, my coaching clients or business leaders mm -hmm. is if you have extenuating circumstances, don't even bring it up in your apology. I say you should wait an hour or a day. And then if you still feel it would be helpful for them to know, you could go back to them and use my phrase. I want to circle back to what my apology yesterday. There was an extenuating circumstance that I thought might be helpful for you to know, but I waited to tell you because I in no way want to erase or diminish the sincerity of the apology that I gave you that completely stands. Mm. Yeah, I love that. And, um, you know, thinking about work settings, if, if there is a, an apology needed to be shared by a leader, you know, why do you think it's more important to do that in person rather than via maybe email? Yes, um, I do. Because as we, as you may be pointing to, we, we can't get the body language mm. through any both email and texting or WhatsApp, um, we're letting the other person apply their own voice to it. And the problem with that is it may be inaccurate. They could mm -hmm. hear us being sarcastic or snooty. Yeah. Um, chances are that it's not going to sound as kind or as caring as we intend. So we need to claw that back and drive the narrative by um, going to them either as in as much in person as we safely can, which could be face to face outdoors or on Zoom um, or FaceTime, however you can do it, some video um, or my second preference after that would be uh, audio. So they at least can hear our voice. And I tell people now I'm not ruling out writing someone an apology letter. I gave a TEDx talk and I said, you know what, I think one of the best things you can do is write a letter because the time you take to do that shows your sincerity. Yeah. And if you leave it with them, it's something they can reread, but I wouldn't send it. I would take it and read it to them and then hand it to them as a gift. Why? I would give it to them so that if they get to thinking again about what you did wrong and yeah. Maybe they're thinking, you know, I'm not sure Jen really understood the seriousness of what she did. Mm. I mean, if you back up what Gary Chapman and I say about forgiveness is that we're accepting the debt 
or the cost of what someone has done. When I forgive you, I'm saying, I'll carry that without throwing it up in your face all the time. Mm -hmm. But if I'm feeling that weight again, then the letter would be a way for me to get to read through it and say, well, you know, they actually did say this, that, and the other, and it can feel like a balm to you. It can actually help your heart um, to feel more validated when you reread what they said. And I have an actual um, example of that. There, I've worked with a number of clients who aren't very good at apologizing, um, but I believe you can teach old dogs new tricks. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> my payday is when one of their family members or one of their coworkers says, you know what, Joe or Jane, you've really changed. There's something mm. kind of different about mm. you now. Um, and I applaud them for the progress that, that they're able to make. Here's a note that a consulting client gave me that um, his grown daughter wrote to him. It's very brief, if I may. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I'll share it. So the dad is a, a pastor and his mm. adult daughter um, said to him, <clears throat> dad, you made a brave step in the right direction when you apologized to me last night. I appreciate it. Keep going with it. The more you admit your wrongs, the more respect I have for you. I'm more proud of how you tried to recover our relationship than the sermon you preached last night. <laughs> Go have fun today from your daughter. Oh. Life-giving. Yes, indeed. Life I, what we believe is that the world needs more love. And amen. Um, amen. amen. <laughs> it's the offenses that are getting in the way of that. And um, my heart really gets heavy when I see people in um, broken relationships mm -hmm. where they might say, I haven't talk and talked to someone or picked up the phone and called mm. um, someone important to me in a long, long time. And mm. so it's really important, I think, for people to find a passable road of communication when they're maybe your highway you used to travel on with a friend is. Mm as blown up in a sense. Um, but I tell people when you feel like maybe you've tried everything to reach back out and repair the relationship, my hope is that our toolbox with these apology languages will give you something new that you can try. Yeah, I love that. And I know that you say in your book that in an ideal world, we wouldn't need an apology, but unfortunately, <laughs> You know, as it says in, in Romans, it says we live in an imperfect world. We're all going to mm -hmm. fall short. We're all going to fall short. Luckily enough, there's, there's grace for that. And, you know, my wife and I, we've definitely worked on understanding our languages in various different um, assessments around just understand. So we can almost distance ourselves from that real instinct to you always do this or that blame. And I, I tell you right. what, it's really interesting what you said about the letter, because that would appeal to my wife's um, nature to go away thinking to reflect because mm -hmm. I'm very good at thinking on my feet and I can come up with many different exactly. arguments and, and my, my, my things, and I'll be open and transparent. I will make excuses. I will deny <laughs> that that is even the, the case. And it is a two. Not Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> I just said like, you know, you know, and I, and I, I, I know that I can fall into those two traps and it will leave her bamboozled. <laughs> and, I, and I know that I can talk about, but the, if I want true restoration, if I want true, you know, grace field moving forward, then those, the, those are only short term things that, because she's going to circle around and go, hang on a minute. Like, <laughs> what's he just exactly. said? Exactly. 
Yes, it may be that you can talk circles around her and around an argument if you're in the heat of the moment. Yeah. But she is, I'm sure, very bright and she can go and when she's on her own, figure out what she wished she had said. Exactly. exactly. And what she wants you to know. And um, some people are better writers than talkers. And so, yeah, that person can draft it and erase it and rewrite it and feel comfortable that they are going to say what they want to say. And more importantly, maybe not say what they don't want to say. They want to really curate their words. Mm. I find I'm better at apologizing in a leadership, in a work environment, a work setting. And Mm. um, yeah, and and I think, you know, because maybe in the relationship setting, it's so more frequent maybe the the stakes are a mm-hmm. little bit higher maybe maybe we uh maybe we've been burned a few times in the past less willing to show that vulnerability I, I don't know what's you you speak with many many people and what's your insights into what I've just said hmm. well I do think it's true sometimes it's hard to apologize to people when we feel like oh I, was, I just did this last week I keep messing up they know all my faults and weaknesses A couple of our fears that I hear from people are that they might just pile on. If I apologize, they might say, yeah, and another thing, and you always do that, and you haven't been working on this, right? Uh, When what we really want is for them to uh, just accept our apology. And that's something we haven't really talked about yet, is how do you accept someone's apology, ideally? And my first advice is if you do appreciate the effort, whether it was a good apology or not, to thank them Mm. for starters. Um, And then another thing is if you didn't think the apology was necessary, that can be a good follow-up to say, you know, I appreciate you saying that, but an apology isn't necessary. I I understood. And, um, you know, I, I, tell, I knew where you were coming from. I knew what your situation was. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm being cautious here not to say it's okay because I think we do that too often, mm-hmm. right? If you're apologizing for it, then it probably wasn't okay. Mm-hmm. And so I'd, I'd rather have people say, thank you and I accept your apology um, or you know, it's kind of you to say that rather than it's okay. It's, it's a gateway to moving forward, I assume. Mm-hmm. That's right. And, and really th- what the apology does is it tries to remove the barrier created by the offense yeah. and it opens the door to forgiveness. Mm. But there again, we, we cannot demand that forgiveness mm-hmm. and we can't rush the person <laughs> because yeah. they may need to watch us and see if we really are going to change or not. See if, if, um, if, we're going to stand behind our words. Yeah. And so we need to give them that space. And um, really, I, I, in a couple of ways, I like to call off the forgiveness police. You know, yeah. I think they're well-intentioned, yeah. um, but sometimes we end up pushing too hard for a hurt person to forgive. Yeah. And um, we may make them feel kind of guilty. Yeah. And that's the last thing I want to see happen is for a victim to be victimized Mm. by well-meaning people uh, who, you know, we have a lot of sayings we use, like if you remain angry at them or bitter towards them, it's like you're, you're drinking acid or you're holding on to hot coals. Those are going to hurt you. Um, But I really, I'm a big believer in validation and in listening to people. 
if they're still holding on to their hurts, I would say, tell me more yeah. and then restate it back to them. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I love that. And it's really interesting that you talked about like that demanding of an apology and the coercion of an apology, and that just doesn't work. And, and mm-hmm. <laughs> the first thing that came to mind is I have a six-year-old daughter. And if her if she falls out with her older brother, Corey is nine, and it's like, if they've done something, I like, go and apologize to your brother. No, go and apologize to your brother. They hate that. Fine. And they're, they're walking, they won't look, they won't make eye contact. I'm sorry. And, it, you know, it's just, <laughs> I, I guess it's a great visual representation now for me of what it is like, you know, in, in some of these kind of forced settings is, uh, is anything but sincere in those moments, right? Exactly. Yeah. If they're sorry about anything, they're sorry they got caught. Yeah. And in the adult world, we say that now. We say sorry, not sorry. Sure. Yeah. 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 Um, and and some of us are still like that six and nine year old. I mean, we get bigger, but mm-hmm. we don't always mature out of that. And then mm-hmm. we go and and we work with people who may or may not be mature. Mm-hmm. And Paul White That's- and I have. Um, have joined up with Gary Chapman and just wrote a book specifically for the workplace called Making Things Right at Work. And we talk about in there that uh, we may work with people who are kind of toxic and who um, may have personality problems. Mm -hmm. And so how do we get along with them and still manage to have productive work teams? Mm. You know, that's the real challenge. These people aren't playing by the same rules. And we don't have a parent we can go and appeal to to make them apologize. Mm. Um, So what we recommend is that teams work on conflict resolution and on surfacing some of these problems and not just sweeping them under the rug. Mm. As I go and talk to work teams, I find things like an epidemic of negative attributions, um, which is the Brene Brown calls them the stories we tell ourselves in our heads. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, that can be very toxic yeah. for any kind of team or family. So we need to first recognize that we're doing it, that we are maligning the motives of others mm-hmm. and how hurtful that is. You know, yeah. Ryan, if you've been misjudged by someone, mm-hmm. wow, it, mm-hmm. it, it just, it's very distracting. Actually, it's hard to get back to your work because your mind is spinning in this argument like, yeah. no, I didn't or no, I'm not that way. Um, So we want people to be aware of how they are maligning others and help them to change that habit. Mm. I read something recently that says that we judge others by their actions and we judge ourselves by our intentions. Mm. (laughs) Very well said. Yes. We cut ourselves slack. I used to be a teaching (laughs) assistant for social psychology at the University of Virginia and we, we had a lot of studies where um, people talked about, you know, we, we make excuses for ourselves or we, mm. we blame external circumstances for our failures, but for others, we blame their internal, who they are and their personality for yep. their mistakes. Yeah. I really believe that great teams can grow through the conflict. I think great teams that don't have an absence of conflict. It's just actually how they use that conflict to, um, to grow through. Um, yeah, I, I like that concept. Yeah. If I could interject, um, yeah, go ahead. back in the psychology world, Eric Erickson actually um, talked about crises as when we grow. And he used the analogy of stair steps. 
-hmm. And he said, you're not going to go up to the next step unless you have a crisis. And so I think that that fits well. Your point is well taken that teams um, are always going to have conflict. It's just what they do with it. Mm. The thing that really excites me is that I have a, um, I don't want to say younger generation, but I have a generation of people that are first time leaders, you know, first time leaders, first time managers, and are almost navigating the world in what it sense to bring this new empathetic, caring style of leadership, and one that mm-hmm. might not be demonstrated by the world yet. You know, my background's in policing, leadership was very hierarchical, mm-hmm. positional, rank-based. Um, I believe that leadership is love, leadership is a verb, leadership is service. Um, mm-hmm. and, I, and I try and speak over that and encourage that in people. How might... Um, how might your work and, and the work that you've just done with, with Paul and, and Gary uh, on, on, in the work setting, how might that encourage um, new managers, and new leaders? Yeah, so what we're really talking about is that to have a successful team, that there are two things that are going to be essential. Um, one is love mm. and the other is handling offenses well. Of course, we don't say getting rid of the offenses because as we live and breathe, we will offend people. And also, even if we don't take actions, I've come to learn somewhat painfully that there are always people who are just not going to like you. You're just going to bug them. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's painful to learn that. But, you know, managers face that all the time. And I think if they're trying to be people pleasers and, um, get everyone's approval, they're going to have a hard time. Mm. Now, um, with that being said, I do think it's good to build consensus. And I always talk with them about how you can do that. But at the end of the day, they're probably going to have to choose a direction and it may not be popular with everyone. And so how do they make those decisions? You know, it's a tough thing these days, should I stay or should I go? Should I do this project or not? Can the company afford to take on this new initiative? All of those decisions, I think it's important to really listen to people. And this is going back somewhat to my community psychology training. We had a thing, I had never heard of it before I got to University of Maryland for my doctorate, but, but they talk about a hermeneutic dialectic, which is just a big word for, we're gonna have an ongoing dialogue, mm-hmm. right? Uh, We're not going to go to um, whatever group we're trying to help or whatever level of management below us and say, okay, guys, here's the plan. Mm -hmm. What we need to do is to listen to them, ask for their input, ask for their thoughts, come up with some ideas, maybe even including them in that, and then say, but before we do it, how does it sound? Right? So we need to go through several iterations. And the challenge there is to not rush it but to take the time to build the consensus. Yeah, I love that. We've talked about a number of pieces of your work. Where can people find more about you and your, and your amazing work that you share with the world? Well, thank you. Our books are available at most major retailers. I encourage people to support their local bookstores if they can um, order it from there. Also, they can find me. My website is drjenthomas.com. It's drjenthomas.com. And there on the front page, I have both of our new books as well as my TED Talk link. 
And then there's a tab I want to mention, which is free resources, because I really believe in giving away what we do. So there I have the apology language quiz, as well as the love language quiz that people can take. And I encourage managers actually to have their whole work team take the um, quiz and then post the results somewhere on a shared drive or a shared place. Yeah. Um, the apology language results so that if they need to apologize to someone, they can figure out which language they need to be sure not to leave out. Yeah, we did that in our community. So I, I share a Facebook community. We've got people from around the world and obviously let oh, them great. know that I was having this conversation. And in doing so, I shared the quiz and it was great just for people to really kind of meet the idea i think people are familiar with the the concept uh, through the five love languages so this this one of five apology languages was was really well received and um it's just great to hear people because it's storytelling isn't it it's like okay well, what does that sound like to you because when right. it's not our style or way maybe it's not our preference it's not maybe it's not the one we lead with being able to speak with another human being that says, this is what that means to me. This is what it mm. sounds like. This is what it feels like in, in a safe setting where I can learn without consequences because I'm not trying to learn in the heat of needing to apologize. True. It's, uh, yeah, it's very it's, good. Yeah, it's great. So thank you for your hard work. Thank you for all that you share in the world. Um, thank you for your time today. I'd just love to know what the phrase always better than yesterday means to you. Yes. Well, with this, I think we should always be intentional about having the best relationships we can. I, I wrote my admissions essay for college about that if I could teach any course in the world, I would teach communication, um, not written communication, but like, how do we relate to each other? Um, and so it turns out that that, that is what I'm teaching now um, through my you know, we have community at Instagram on at the apology expert, and we're talking about what do people need to hear and, and how can we keep that love tank full? Mm. So uh, what I would really like to encourage people to do is to be intentional about telling others that you love and appreciate them, and then really accepting responsibility when it's time for you to apologize. Is such a test and a challenge, isn't it? There's the invitation, my friends. There's the invitation. Um, always an opportunity to uh, to get better at apologising. Dr. Jen, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for the work that you share in the world. I'd be honoured if you'd leave us with a final thought from your good self. Wow. Well, I would like to say reaching out across the pond and to your listeners around the world that I'm just glad that we can connect and talk about humanity and love. And I wish everyone um, more love. As we said in the dedication to our book, may the world be a more warm and loving place for future generations. Agreed. What a great way to finish. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ryan. Take care. Hey, my friends, thank you for making it to the end. I hope that our time spent together today has left you a little bit better than before you push play. I'd really appreciate if you just took a moment to leave a review to allow me to meet more people where they are and hopefully leave them a little bit better too. If you're curious to know how I, through Always Better Than Yesterday, can serve you, your team, your organisation, then head to alwaysbetterthanyesterday.com to connect. And while you're there, let me know one or two things that you're going to do as a result of listening to this conversation. I absolutely love hearing your thoughts, your reflections, and the things that this spark in your own heart and mind. 
If you want more insights from my heart and mind, I do send out short episodes on a Monday, Tuesday, Thursday and Friday. And again, I hope that they serve you well. I appreciate you listening. I'm Ryan Hartley, host of the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast, a podcast for heart-centered leaders just like you. Keep leading, my friends. Always love.